The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling, is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome into another episode of the Story World Podcast. If you could only see what happened just before we hit record, you would probably never watch our show, ever. Either that or, yeah, you would never watch our show again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. As, as foolish as Steve and I are, while the camera is rolling, we are more foolish away from the camera, which is really saying something. At it least really, twice. At least really twice the foolish. Uh, yeah. So we up it. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, we limited it on purpose. Yes. So, uh, in this episode, I'm really excited because we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics slash uh, people in the world. And this is actually kind of a tribute episode to a uh, scholar and theologian who has meant a lot to me over the past few years and um, um, has also meant a lot to uh, to Alex as well. And uh, his name is Dr. Michael Heiser. He actually went home to be with the Lord a couple months ago now um, after quite a lengthy battle with pancreatic cancer. And, um, you know, this is a, a little late. Everybody was doing their tribute episodes, you know, a couple months ago, but I, I think now is a good time. The dust has settled a little bit. And um, I think what Dr. Heiser contributed to the world of uh, Bible scholarship, but not just Bible scholarship. This is important for this audience because of the storytelling aspects uh, of what we're going to get into. And so it's, um, we'll get into all of that, but I, I just wanted to kind of lay that introduction out there, out there for you. Um, that's a good introduction. I think uh, just kind of, saying again what you stated, but Steve is obvious, is much more familiar with um, Heiser's work than I am. Um, I have uh, read one of his books, then also listened to quite a few of his podcasts, but I'm definitely just getting into the weeds with him. But um, yeah, as Steve said, um, definitely from what I uh, had, what little I have read through his material, listened to him, he's definitely had a huge influence on how I see things and um, just my perspective on um, on the Bible and, and, and stories there in general. So looking forward to kind of talking about him and I think we're going to go through maybe our, um, coming together place of when we, uh, when we first heard about Michael and what kind of drew us into him. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, and I guess maybe we should set the stage a little bit with, with what even he, well, I, we'll just, we'll just do it this way. We'll, 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 we'll let you discover it. We'll build a little bit of tension as we go. So structural uh, tension, a little bit of structural tension. For some reason, I feel like that's just going to be an inside joke from now on. I don't know why, but <laughs> it will be. here we go. Um, uh, you know, really nothing too spectacular, but if you, you know, I guess a few years ago now, maybe three or four years ago, I started seeing just hints in like the, theology and apologetics community online um, 
about this idea called the unseen realm. Okay. And I, I didn't know very much about it at all. I was very much on the periphery of things. And I just, I kept hearing this idea about um, the unseen realm and, and heavenly beings. And then this name, Heiser, w- would pop up from, from time to time. And I was like, okay, like one of those things where I knew it was a big deal, but I also knew it was going to be a rabbit hole, right? And so I sort of like, I avoided it intentionally and just didn't get wrapped up in it because I, I knew that once I did, I would just be like in that world for a while. Turns out I was right. Um, but I was, I was really trying to stay measured. And um, yeah, I think it was one Saturday I was, you know, bored sitting on the couch and scrolling through YouTube and a lecture of his came up that was given at a church and it was like a four part series. And I was like, you know what? Uh, th- this looks really long, but I've got plenty of time to kill. It's a Saturday. I I watch things on double speed anyway. So if only the- there were a triple speed, right? Steve, bro. Anytime there is, I listen, I, I take that opportunity. So YouTube, unfortunately is only on double speed. I can handle two and a half. So YouTube, if you're listening, let's do this thing. Come on. Um, and so I was like, all right, let's give it a shot. Let's just see. I got time to get caught in a little bit of a rabbit hole today. And as I listened through that lecture, oh man, for me, what it, my first, my first sense after encountering the material that Dr. Heiser was presenting, other than frankly, I mean, cause he set things up well, I mean, he's been talking about this stuff for a while. And so he really took his time, you know, setting it up for the audience, the kind of journey that he was about to take you down. And so he was, he, it was a measured approach. But for me, the first sense really that I got from it was, wow, this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> a lot of sense. Because what it, what he did, the way that he presented it, um, made things that we kind of already knew we all already knew were in the bible but didn't really like make sense but yeah we've heard it our whole lives you know so we just kind of like put that over there in the little dusty corner of things that we don't touch because yeah it's in there even though we don't understand it all of those things started to make sense with the whole cohesive narrative storyline of the of the bible and then and then from there i was just frankly hooked i read his book the unseen realm I read his book the, uh, called Supernatural, which is like a more practical, lay-friendly introduction to his book, The Unseen Realm. And if I were just to sort of summarize very briefly, not even yet what he teaches, but more so just like how he teaches, mm-hmm. um, his his whole kind of thing after binging 300 plus episodes of the Naked Bible podcast and then reading his books multiple times now, the interesting thing is that and he he it's not as though he had very many original thoughts. He was a scholar who could understand the scholarly literature and was really great at synthesizing what scholars were saying um in a way that made sense for a lay audience. And not only that, but like what what people might not really even know about him or or think right off is that He's actually a pretty darn conservative Christian, right? Some of his ideas are the kind of things that like 
sometimes a liberal scholar might take and just go totally off the rails with, but not Mike. You know, Mike was like, look, let's think about this logically. We still, you know, we're still conservative Christians here and we want to take the Bible seriously and all of that. But yet these ideas seem to be well evident. So how does that all work together? And in my estimation, there was just nobody who who could do that quite like Mike. And so I think that's that particular piece of being able to bring the scholarly literature out in such a way that made sense while also just honoring, you know, um, um, Christianity, honestly, while, while honoring the inspiration of the Bible, the authority of the Bible and things of that nature. I think he did that exceptionally well. So that's sort of how I encountered him and kind of my first initial thoughts um, about that. Yeah, I think um, I think probably a lot of people have a similar coming to Heiser story. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. You almost have to be in a similar mindset. So I guess before I kind of get into my um, brief little story, I I can, there are probably, I would say the majority of people out there can go through life, um, you, know, you know, reading their Bibles, studying the scriptures, going to church, doing everything and not have a need or urge or desire to hear anything that um, Heiser has to say, and just because it's just not in them. But I kind of think about, sitting like in church growing up and having like the pastor read through a portion of scripture or hearing about it in Bible class and things just kind of get skipped over and they always get skipped over. Um, things that come to mind are like the, uh, like the sons of God and daughters of men in Genesis. And then you have, um, mm -hmm. you have the council of gods and, and Psalm. And so there's just, there's some really weird, um, just stuff in the Bible that anytime it's read through, it's skipped over. And if you're someone who's always thought, that's kind of weird. Like, you know, I always kind of wondered about that. Then I think Heiser is a natural kind of progression, not, you know, Heiser, like Steve said, Steve said it brilliantly. He didn't make up this stuff or create this stuff on his own. He just was an excellent synthesizer for putting it all together and, and putting it out mm -hmm. there. Um, so Mike, a story, I I've only really been in Heiser for the last year and a half or so reading through his, his stuff and, um, going through the naked Bible podcast. Um, I was talking to Steve and this is when um, Steve and I were first just kind of um, becoming friends and, and chatting a lot about different subjects. And we got on the topic of UFOs and aliens and everything. And I had said something along the lines of, I, for, I forget where the conversation went to, but I said some of the lines of that. I think it makes natural sense that we kind of wonder about aliens just because the Bible is such a supernatural book um, it, that it just kind of makes sense that our mind is geared toward those kind of things. And immediately Steve said, hey, have you heard about the Unseen Realm and Michael Heiser? And I think Steve knew he had hooked one there. Um, yeah. And so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking uh, for any excuse for to any that excuse, into a conversation. Yes. Um, yeah. And immediately, kind of like what Steve was saying, just I didn't um, listen to the Naked Bible podcast or hear any of his lectures. The first thing that I um, digested that Heiser put out there was um, the Unseen Realm. And um, just immediately it was just a breath of fresh air, just explaining things that the Bible has talked about that we look past. And honestly, I think one of the most fundamental things that I can kind of point to, again, it's something that we've all read and kind of know, but never really grasped is the fact that humans are imagers of God. And it's yeah. not just that it's a thing that we do, but it's who we actually are. And that's kind of a fundamental truth that he kind of sets the stage for for everything else that he presents but i mean the topics that he discusses are 
are, are vast, but just some of the few that that I've gone through early on in his podcast days, it seems that they just keep getting better and better. It's just simple discussions on like, what is baptism and what was, what is it used for? Like, what is its actual purpose? Um, the sacraments it, and just talking about those subjects and his, um, and what he discusses ranges, ranges from the very simple to things like that, um, to talking about, um, the unseen and supernatural world. Um, and so if you kind of have a curious mind and have always wondered about that, and I think it's also very important as well, if you're even a non-Christian, I think Heiser does an excellent job for anyone to understand a little bit more depth of the Bible. Um, I yes. can see how a lot of people from the outside think that it's kind of some weird stories that we believe and it doesn't make sense. And it's, you know, kind of silly to, to follow what it says. And I, I can kind of get that through a certain lens. And I think Heiser can really, if you have a, a logical mind and are really genuinely curious about some stuff from the Bible and why we believe what we believe and how it all works together. Heiser does a great job of presenting a very logical um, and clear picture of um, things in the Bible. Another, I think, thing that's really that he does great is um, really defining and going through the genres of the Bible and how the Bible is written in certain areas. Um, that's also been a huge, um, again, just something that I've always known um, but just something that he really clearly breaks out to, to help you understand a little bit more. That's yeah, kind of been my experience. Yeah. So, um, so at this point, if you're listening and you listen to now, you might be wondering what the heck are they talking about? What, what does he, what does he teach? What's it, you know, what, what is it? And so, um, I'll, I guess I'll kind of give you Mike's own origin story. So he had been, at the point he got saved a little bit later in life grew up in church but it was kind of a you know like a, a, a sort of a weird fundamentalist sort of environment and um you know one foot in one foot out kind of thing he was and um i think he was a teenager when he got saved um and didn't really have a, a clear direction on what he wanted to do with his life so um he kind of started studying the bible after he became a christian and really got hooked on that and decided that he would go to Bible college. And so, you know, to fast forward, he went to Bible college. He, um, I believe, at the point where he sort of had his, if you will, come to Jesus moment, um, he had, I believe, I want to say he already had two master's degrees, was teaching master's level courses, and was in the doctoral program. Like, he was on his way to a doctorate degree. Um, I think when this happened, I could be a little bit wrong about that, but, but he was, let's just say he was sufficiently educated by the time he came across this. And so he went to, um, a great school and they were, um, he and a, a buddy were in either a chapel service or like a, a Sunday church service or something like that. One of his other, um, you know, one of the people that he was in the current program with, and he was like, dude. You've got to read mm -hmm. Psalm 82 in Hebrew. You've got to look at what I just I just saw. And so he goes and checks it out and he's like, whoa, what's up, what's up with that? And, and basically, if you read Psalm 82, I'm just gonna paraphrase, but it basically says that um God sits and judges in the council of the gods, um, in in the midst of the gods. And by the rule of Hebrew grammar, the first um reference to the word God there, which in the Hebrew is the word Elohim, has to be singular and the second one has to be plural. So it's it's a 
Elohim is a plural f- form. It's it's always a plural form, and of course, it can be taken and translated you know, singularly, just as you have it in the English language. You have a deer, or you have mm-hmm. deer. It's the same thing, right? Same kind of idea. So there's no getting around that <laughs> at all. Uh, in this verse, Psalm 82, 1, I think it is, um, literally says that God, whoever is being referred to as God there, which is very clearly the God of the Bible, sits in this council. And it's very important to understand that we're talking about C-O-U-N-C-I-L. Okay? The council of the gods, not Council, C-O-U-N-S-E-L, where necessarily God is, because some people have tried to say, oh, well, God doesn't need to receive counsel from anybody. Well, okay, that's true. Although if he wanted to receive counsel from people, he maybe could. And there might even be some cool instances in the Bible where he kind of does that. Um, um, And so you can take it up with the biblical writer, not with me. Uh, But regardless, we're talking about the counsel of the gods. So it is a, a... a group of heavenly beings, and once you see them in one place, my friend, and once you know the kind of language, especially that the Old Testament, but even that the New Testament uses to talk about these beings, you will literally find them everywhere. Your Bible is littered with references to other spiritual beings besides the God of the Bible who are referred to as gods as divine beings as holy ones as watchers as sons of god as spiritual beings as angels the list goes on and on and so most people would think about this in a very sort of terse manner i mean look we're all christians here we all well i mean what i mean is anybody who is a christian here understands the idea of angels and demons but alex you could probably back me up on this yeah of course I know we live in a spiritual world. I've always known that there were such things as angels and demons because the Bible talks about angels and demons. But what what typically gets covered in a angelology course or even a demonology course in college is nothing like what actually is the case, biblically speaking. And the scholarship that Heiser pointed out and the biblical work that's been done to show that that's the case. So for example, in um, whenever you see the word angel, okay, in the Old Testament, it's usually the word malach, malach, M-L-A-A-K would be the sort of Hebrew um, transliteration of that. And that word specifically means a messenger, okay? So think about it. Anytime that you see angels not every time, but like most of the time when you see angels mentioned in the Bible, an angel, strictly speaking, is there to deliver a message. It's a messenger. And so what we've done is we've sort of taken this one role, this one job that a heavenly being might have in a particular situation. And we've sort of latched onto that language and just called every other member of God's spiritual family one of those. And that's not the reality of the case. Another thing, you talk about demons, right? When you talk about demons, it gets even more interesting because you got to think, if, if you hadn't just grown up in church your whole life and heard about Jesus casting out demons, 
Okay. If you, if, if you didn't have that context, you got saved later in life, you're reading your Bible and it's like, where did this come from? The idea of Jesus casting out demons in the new Testament, nothing like that seems to be happening in the old Testament at all. And so who are these demons? Where do they come from? Why are they there? Why is the son of God casting out demons? What does that, other than the fact that it's just there and bless God, God said it that, uh, you know, that settles it. I believe it and all that. Um, other than that, it's like, haven't you ever wondered where they come from, why they're there? And so, for example, Heiser points out that Second Temple literature, which is um, also referred to as intertestamental literature. So, for example, literature that would have been written um, in the Second Temple period of Jewish history, largely in those 400 silent years and up until the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, um, the 400 silent, silent years that we often refer to as in between the Old and New Testaments, that time and then up to the 70, um, up to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, that sort of encompasses um, the second temple period of Jewish literature and writing. And um, those authors had ideas about how demons were formed and things like that. But you wouldn't just necessarily have that context if you weren't in tune with that literature. And so to the point that Alex made, it's not as though you have to know all this in order to kind of, um, you know, know the fundamentals about what you needed to know in order to go to heaven and to be a Christian and to follow God and obey his commandments and all that. I mean, my grandmother, I promise you, wouldn't have a clue. Anything like what I'm talking about here, at least I don't think she would, um, at least not in, the, you know, using the same words in the same language in the way that I talk about it. But... Um, just because she didn't. I mean, my grandma also wouldn't know how to use Logos Bible software, <laughs> which is this amazingly powerful tool that modern technology has, you know, given us access to. I mean, we can do what used to take 15 to 20 years of research for a person looking up that we could literally perform one search in Logos Bible software and do that. By the way, that might be a good point to mention that Lest you think this guy is just some quack or something, Dr. Mike Kaiser, not only did he have a PhD in Semitic languages and a couple master degrees to boot, but he spent 15 plus years as the um, scholar in residence at Logos Bible Software before being invited to Florida to a church to actually start his own uh, school. So literally, um, and he's made this point before in a humble way, but it's also just true given his position, it's almost trivially, tri uh, trivially true that there was literally no one on the planet in a more ideal position to mm -hmm. know and to have a pulse on, this, on the breadth of scholarly literature across the board in Christianity. Because for the premier Bible software maker, he was their scholar in residence slash, there was another term that they used for him too, but he was basically like a, like a like a senior publishing editor or something. In other words, he was literally like the filter through which all of the scholarly material came through. Not that he was filtering it out, but that like he had eyes on it and he was sort of in charge of like helping to manage that. So you talk about somebody who had the perfect amount of access to know exactly what's going on in biblical scholarship. Um, it was this guy. And so the Lord really just had him in the perfect position to be able to make all of this content accessible to the to the lay reader and listener and watcher. So anyway, that's uh, 
that's kind of a little bit of additional context there. Any any thoughts on that, Alice? Yeah, if you, there's a uh, this should this video should come with a warning that if uh, chances are if if you're you're listening to this and you think, ah, that's kind of weird. Or you're listening, you're saying, wow, like I really need to, that this sounds something right down my alley that I could, that I really need to investigate. If you do that, um, just be prepared that, um, even, even if you are listening to, um, good preaching or good messages during church or Bible study, after you kind of go down this rabbit hole, there's going to be a lot that you hear that you're going to, that might not necessarily be wrong, but you're going to kind of shake your head and say, eh, that's not quite right i i message steve quite often whether it's usually like a message i'm listening to online or in church or something and i'll say hey they're talking about angels again like in this way i was like i can't i can't hear someone preach about angels it without just kind of shaking my head because it's just is not the correct view of them um so just be prepared that uh, a lot of things uh i think probably for the better are just going to appear seem different than you and you're going to be able to kind of weed out some some funny things that you come across um for that's for so people, true it, it, it's, it really I is true. that point it's it's so true it's not you're, an exaggeration at all you're not going to be able to really sit through a church service again and, and uh well you, you literally can't unsee it i mean it makes sense this book is called the unseen realm and once you see it uh you can't unsee it because it's literally everywhere um and once you're looking out for it so that kind of goes to my next point where um and this is something that I just kind of thought of before even getting into Heiser and everything. It goes back to the conversation that Steve and I were first having when he brought me into this is um, it, if you think that a lot of times, especially today, I feel like we're very, very much, um, I, I guess in a way, kind of materialistic, very much focused on what we can see, feel, what we can sense. And we, even though we read the miracles in the Bible, and we see stuff like that, we try to really, um, really try to kind of pigeonhole it into that one thing and try to step away from um, the supernatural or things that seem odd, whether it's in the Bible or what we hear by testimonies that people say. But one thing that Steve and I were talking about, and nothing new, is just that think how, not just the, the universe that God created and God himself, but it, how how he he became flesh through Jesus Christ and died on the cross for our sins. Just how amazing that everything there is and how wonderful that is and how really supernatural all of that is. Yet somehow we think that that's the only supernatural thing that has ever existed is that little point in time. And if you could, if you just kind of think for a second of how supernatural God is, it, it makes total logical sense that we would live in a supernatural world and universe where all of these things exist and that there's reasons and explanations for them. And so, um, yeah, I would just really extend an invitation to someone. What's the name of his uh, more, I guess I would just say kind of um, stripped down book um, that's a little bit less scholarly. Yeah, it's called Supernatural. Yeah, so I haven't read that one. I went right to the Unseen Realm, but um, i but Steve said that's a great book for someone who just wants to kind of get in and just barely, you know, touch the subject and get into it. But um, yeah, it's just kind of interesting that now that when I hear um, messages or following different devotions, studies, or hear you know, pastors preach, just a lot of times now, um, I wouldn't say red flags go up, but it's just a little 
kind of light clicks on in my head when I hear things. And it kind of takes me back to something that I heard from Heiser, how things actually played out or how things actually are um, in our yeah. world. Yeah. And it's a shame too, because you see some, some churches are just like so baked in their traditions and stuff that like, mm. I mean, I literally, I'm a member of a couple of Facebook groups, you know, around this stuff. And there are people all the time who at, at, at best are told that they're not allowed to teach this in mm. their church when the opportunity arises. And at worst, I've even seen, I think two, I think I've seen two cases where the members were asked to leave the church because they believed this wow. and, and wanted to keep <laughs> it. And here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? If you, if you actually understand it, okay, if you actually understand it and you're not just afraid of new things, in my opinion, you would realize how ridiculous that is, right? Yeah. If, you, if, you, if one actually took the time to understand this and to even trace the history, and by the way, there are some ultra, ultra conservative people who believe this. For example, the content manager for the Ark Encounter and Creation Museum, the Answers in Genesis ministry, ministry that's over that, the ministry doesn't take an official position on this, but that guy, Tim Chafee, he's written a book about this, and his book is 500 pages long. It's insane. Right. It's a, but it's a fantastic book. It's called Fallen, and it describes a lot of the historical context that shows, without a doubt, that the early church believed and practiced this worldview, and it was around the 300s to 400s AD that some people started to even question any of these mm -hmm. ideas. And by the time it got to the reformers, the reformers just thought it was too weird. And, and, and then of course we know that so many of our churches today are obviously based on the Protestant reformation. And so it's, it's definitely no surprise to me that it's fallen out of favor the way that it has. But again, like I say, if you actually just understand what's going on here, the only thing it can possibly do is help in my opinion. There's, mm -hmm. I, it, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't take anything away from the work that, from everything that we learned in church, yep. from the work that Christ did on the cross, from our need for a savior, from being a sinner, from the fall and the garden and Adam, all that stuff. It doesn't take away from any of that stuff. It just adds. Honestly, honestly, though I've never thought of it this way, but I think it's true. Um, if you watch, let me ask you a question, Alex. This is Story uh -huh. World, right? If you watch a black and white movie. Mm -hmm. Do you know what happens in the movie? It, yes, you do see, is you it a, see what happens in the movie. Yes. Is it is it enough to say, oh, okay, I saw I saw what happened in the movie. I know what happened. I know what happened in this movie. And I can make decisions and believe things about this movie and about my life or whatever based on it from the black and white movie. Absolutely. Sure. Yes. But if you watch that same thing with color. Now, now, you see, you understand some of the little different dynamics that were going mm -hmm. on. You, comments that, comments that maybe somebody referenced in the black and white movie, the red skirt that the person mm -hmm. was wearing. Yeah. And you believed it because you had no reason to doubt that that person was wearing a red skirt. But when you could see the color of the red skirt for yourself, Yes. then the question never even entered your mind of whether or not the skirt was red. You didn't even have to think about it because you saw it before they even made the comment about it. So you're, 
your your eyes and your ears were on the same page. Yeah. I would I would liken this to the same kind of idea. It's like seeing the Bible in black and white. You can understand the salvation story. You can see the character, the main characters, and where they're going, and all of this. You can do that without any knowledge of ancient Semitics, uh, which if you might not even know what Semitics. You know what that even means? The Jews were were Semites. That language comes from um, one of Noah's sons, Shem, being sort of the ultimate, like sort of forefather that led to that um, Semites, and they. Um, um, I don't even know why. I literally just blanked. Like my mind went blank on why I was talking about Semites. Anyway, oh, because Semitic languages. Okay, so so you might not have any idea what you know Hebrew language and all that stuff. What any of that stuff is, you wouldn't have to know any of that if, if you know that you're a sinner, that Christ died for your sins according to the scriptures, and that He was raised the third day, and you can now be raised in newness of life with Him if you just believe and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You shall be saved. Amen, brother. Like welcome to the family. But it's still the black and white, in my humble opinion. It's still the black and white. And what you get, in, again, in my view, what you get with what Heiser brings to the table, and not just Heiser, but what, this, what the scholarship brings to the table is just a little bit more color added. And especially when you get into like things, because there's things you can even get a lot more esoteric than the stuff that Heiser really even got a chance to, sure. you know, to, to, you know, to teach on. You know, for example, it's like the um, one of the weird phrases in the Bible. I'll just give an example that I think might help people see what I'm talking about. One of the weird phrases in the Bible happens right in the beginning of Genesis when I think it's God talking to Cain and he's like, you know, Cain and Abel are having the little squabble or whatever and Cain kills Abel. And, um, you know, it's like be, basically be careful, Abel, or be careful, Cain, because sin crouches at the door and it's like what what does that mean sin crouches at the door right like that what i don't understand that's a weird kind of phrase and like you think it means something kind of like that he might be in danger of sinning or it might be in danger of doing something bad or whatever and that would be a reasonable assumption and that's fine that's probably the black and white version of it and people have had good guesses about that and that's probably it well when you add a little bit more color, you understand that the word being spoken there, when it says sin uh, crouches at the door, I forget the exact word, but it starts with an R. It, it is an Akkadian cognate of another Hebrew word, okay? And what does that mean? Well, Akkadian is another ancient Semitic language. And so it's not Hebrew, but it's like Hebrew. And a cognate, for lack of being more complex, is basically just a, a shared sort of word between the two languages where the one word is sort of able to be translated into another language or whatever. So this Akkadian cognate and this word that was used for crouching at the door um, is synonymous with the proper name in the Akkadian language in the Akkadian language for this, basically this demon that would lie in wait, yeah. crouching down the door. Again, in ancient, in ancient beliefs, they believed that there was this demon that would be crouching at the door that um, would be, you know, looking to do you harm if you if it caught you off guard, kind of thing. And it's like you don't have to know that to like get the basic gist of what's going on with Cain and Abel. And yet, when you do know that, and that's again, that's even nerdier than like a lot of the stuff that Heiser talked. Mm -hmm. But like, it's just to show you how much deeper you can get with the with the depth once you understand a little bit about what's going on. Um, I like to use the phrase 
behind the text or, or beyond the text. Once you just get a little bit deeper than the surface level and see what it's saying, it just gives you a great appreciation for what God has given us in his word. That's the point. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that all of this may sound a little weird, just some weird topics and weird discussions, but it's kind of crazy how um, getting into reading about it and studying, you know, um, just ancient ancient ideas that people had and, and getting into all the stuff that Heiser talks about, how, yeah, it's some weird stuff that he deals with, but understanding it makes the Bible a whole lot less weird. It makes the yep. weird make sense. And it's a really, um, I kind of, I kind of think about it this way, aside from like the number one greatest kind of understanding and feeling that I've ever had is just recognizing that Christ died for my sins, even though he didn't have to, I'm a sinner and he died as a perfect God and man to save me. And that's kind of like the number one thing. The number two thing that really just kind of gives me a little bit of awe is just kind of making sense of all this stuff that scripture says. And so I think that's kind of yeah sums up my feelings on is it makes the weird stuff in the Bible less weird because it really brings it to light and has that color to it. Yep. Yep. That, that's exactly right. One, one final example on that kind of thing yep. is like, have you ever wondered why the whole um, Old Testament basically is this seems to be centered around this war between Israel's God and other gods. And yet when those other gods are referenced, they're often like said to be wood and idols of wood and idols of stone. And to make matters even weirder, land seems to have a lot to do with it. So, so wait a minute, you're telling me that the God of all the universe, the one who flung the stars into existence and gave you and me the breath of life is having war with stone and wood idols over plots of land on the earth God created. What the heck are you talking about? Now, listen, what I just described to you, I just said it in a way that kind of hopefully, hopefully makes you realize how stupid that would be if that was exactly, if that was all there was to it. But that's exactly what every Christian is taught in church growing up. I mean, I, I don't, I, I mean, in most churches. I mean, is that, what I just said right there, Alex, is that a fair characterization of how you understood the Old Testament? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it's one of those things where, especially, especially if you grew up in the church as a kid, that's just what you hear and that's what you know and that's what it is. And no, exactly. not to be rude, because I think we're all living it, but it's just ignorance because not your, to your fault. It's just what that's you've right. been told. That's right. And, and, and yet, and yet we already have a context for God being at war with something and someone. He has a, a, a name. It's a person called Satan, the devil. So we're willing to allow this idea of spiritualness, but our idea of it is so simplistic. It, it's too, it's too simplistic. Um, Satan is the Lord of the dead. He is the leader of evil spiritual forces. Yes. And we could get into all that, but still it makes a lot more sense that 
these gods, and this is what you find out once you dive into Hydra's stuff. I'm not going to go through it all here because we just don't have time. But what you find out is that these gods were not just wood and stone idols. No, in the logic of idolatry in the ancient Near East, the wood and stone idols were built as a way for the spiritual beings that they worship to inhabit those idols as a way for it to interact in the physical world with the people who worshiped it. Okay. And so that's, that's why, again, God, I hope you can see like one or two things clicking here. That's why the God of the Bible, after they leave Egypt, right? Full of these, of these mm -hmm. gods, right? That's why, um, God is so concerned with Israel not making any idols because that's the way that the other people worship their gods. And, and Yahweh, the God of the Bible, Israel, Israel is different. And God is not to be worshipped on human terms. We're not conjuring spirits here. God is to be worshipped on his terms. And he decides when he comes. And when he comes down and his glory shines so bright, literally, if you looked on him, it would kill you. That's the way the Bible puts it, basically. Mm -hmm. And so... And so when you understand that, when you have an understanding that, no, these are actual real spiritual beings. We're on, and, and again, the idea of land, it, it, Heiser refers to this as cosmic geography, okay? Because the land actually meant something. And, and that, again, he goes into all of that. But again, the point is, if you ever thought it was ridiculous that the God who created the universe is arguing with stone and wood idols over land, good. I think that's ridiculous too. And so did Heiser. You're going to, you're going to find that his material answers a lot of questions. So maybe as, as we begin to wind this down here, and you're welcome to comment on anything on that that you want, but I just wanted to give a couple quick places, like two, on where to start with this, okay? So number one, if you are, okay, you either need to start by reading The Unseen Realm or Supernatural. And here's the thing. If you're the kind who can handle scholarly literature you like footnotes, you wish there were more footnotes, you wish that those footnotes literally linked to a whole website that was set up to go even deeper on the topic than the footnote allowed you to go. If you're that guy or gal, then start with the Unseen Realm, okay? Because you'll be able to take from that the practical things that you need to know because it'll just make sense to you. It'll all sort of follow. If you're not that person, if you would like a lighter read, then read his book, Supernatural, because it is primarily focused on, okay, why should I even care about this stuff? I'm Johnny in the pew. It's like, I, I have a feeling this is important, but I don't need to know all the little scholarly nitty gritty. I just want to learn what's up. Then you should read Supernatural because it's got all the same content as the Unseen Realm book, but it is a lot more accessible and uh, just written in a way that's really friendly to that. Now, if you're not the reading type at all, and you're like, you know what? I really just want the high-level ideas to see if this is something I really even want to explore further. Then I would recommend going to the Bible Project's YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. They have a whole playlist. And I'm, I'm actually going to try to look it up here to, to, to make sure. I think it might just be called the Divine Council Playlist. By the way, um, Dr. Mike Heiser, uh, this is often called what we're talking about, the Divine Council Worldview yeah. or the um, um, Deuteronomy 32 Worldview. Sometimes he calls it. Yeah, okay. So if you search for Divine Council, Bible Project, or Spiritual Beings, there's a whole playlist of seven episodes um, that the Bible Project does called Spiritual Beings. And Dr. Mike Heiser was a, 
advisor on the script for each of those videos. Super short, super accessible. Uh, but there's one whole whole video specifically on the Divine Council. Um, and so, yeah, I think those are going to be helpful places for most people to start. I think that, yeah, um, yeah, great. So start with either of those. And I, I would say, too, that we've touched on a little bit, but if you get into that just a little bit, you think, wow, this is this is good stuff. Like, this is definitely for me. Definitely get into the Naked Bible podcast. Um, yeah. Steve was saying that after like the 30 or 40th episode or whenever season two starts or whatever, it definitely ramps up and it, that's true. But there's some really practical things even early on that just help your mentality around simple um, biblical stuff, theological stuff that we just kind of overlook. So definitely yeah. good starting places there. I think uh, too, just to kind of close up my thoughts on it is um, we all... Uh, we all are geared so differently. Like Steve's sweet grandmother, I think most of our grandmothers um, who just, you know, sang hymns all day and maybe cussed at you a little bit, but sang hymns all day and uh, and didn't worry about all the, you know, getting into the nuances of things and just love Jesus. And there is zero, there is nothing wrong with that at all. But then other people are geared differently. Steve and I are geared a little bit alike where we like to kind of, things seem either, boring or wrong or trivial unless they're really brought to light and we can understand it. And so if you're someone who I think in my mind too, kind of geared towards, um, you know, fantastic stories and everything, this is definitely right down our alley. And it kind of gave me a, a jump start, like a, like a kick in the butt and um, just really helped me have a further appreciation for the Bible and how it connects so well together. And um, so, yeah, I think that this can be geared towards a lot of people. And so I definitely think that um, if it interests you even at all, definitely give it a try. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I would just kind of close out on this by saying, you know, look, I and I know Alex is as well. I think I speak for both of us in saying that we are just forever grateful for the work uh, yeah. that Dr. Heiser did. I mean, you talk about somebody oh. who sacrificed a lot, yeah, sacrificed a lot of friendships, um, you know, sacrificed a lot of time. I mean, he, he dedicated his life to getting to the bottom of this issue and sharing it with people. And, um, you know, thankful for even in the midst of having a family and uh, a good job and all of that, you know, he, he made all this content available because he knew that um, he used to say, and I'll just, I tell you, it's hard to, it's hard not to listen to his podcast and just fall in love with him over time just because mm -hmm. of how, 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 um, just some of the little mannerisms and stuff, but you know, he talked about all the time how his his material was, you know, for the five people, <laughs> for the five people in any given church who were just like, okay, I get it, but there's got to be something more going on here. You know, he's he never had expectations that this was going to just be some, you know, huge thing. Um, honestly, that. I mean, his podcast, multiple, multiple, multiple millions of downloads. I mean, it went it went a lot further, I think, than he ever even expected to. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was writing to the five people in any given church who were just like, you know, there's got to be something more here and are just starving for content. And I'll say this, too. This is a little bit of a controversial take, maybe. Um, but, you, you know, because you, you wonder, you can't help but wonder, because Mike Hab, at the very least, and, and by the way, I happen to know that um, – in some form, in some way, two things. Number one, some there are going to be some books published uh, posthumously. I don't know how, like all the details of that, but I do know that that's coming. Um, 
number one. And then number two, um, his uh, podcast is also going to be continuing. The Naked Bible Podcast will be continuing into the future with other guests and hosts and just nice. You know, talk about world building. I mean, Dr. Heiser literally built a world around yep. him of scholars who talked about other things. And I mean, I meant to mention this early on, but early drafts of, of the Unseen Realm before it became that title, his, the title for the book that he was going to call it is The Myth That Is True. And that kind of ties into good. the whole story aspect part of it. It's like, it, it's the same realization that, um, um, you know, Lewis and Tolkien came to where, uh, honestly, Christianity is the true story of the world. And um, so what's interesting is that with Dr. Heiser and, and like he had so much that he was planning to do. At the very least, there was um, a third novel. He wrote two. There was a third novel in the works and I think a couple other books. He talked for a long time about writing hopefully like an Unseen Realm 2 that was <laughs> sort of like just as much of, yeah. of a, a bomb, you know, kind of bombshell thinking, if you will. Um, but applied to a lot of other subjects in the Bible. And you got to think, God, why did you take a man like that before he could get this work done? And I thought about that question a lot, actually. And um, I'm not going to speak for God here. God could do what he wants to do when Smart he wants move. to do it. He has plenty of reasons, I'm sure, that are beyond my own. But um, bottlenecks, I learned from from working in business and everything, bottlenecks are um, never a good thing. And, and part of me wonders, even as effective as he was, part of me wonders if Dr. Heiser, being this, the, the main and sole person creating content around this, wasn't sort of a bottleneck and, you know, to, to this message getting out. Because right. I'm noticing a lot of people now, even more than before, who are taking it upon themselves to help spread this message in their local churches, on their podcasts, on their YouTube channels, on their blogs. And it's kind of like all the little Heiserites that have been created over the years are now taking what they've learned and really putting it out into their context with audiences that Dr. Heiser himself uh, would have never been able to reach. And so do I think that was necessarily God's master plan? I don't know. I can't speak for God, but I know it's happening. And I think that it is a good that will come out of Dr. Heiser um, having been taken, unfortunately, what I think we would say uh, to just be too soon. Um, you know, on that note, my church, I am being, I mean, I thank God for my pastor. He probably doesn't agree with half of it. I don't know. We haven't really talked about it in depth. He probably hasn't even looked into it that much more. But like, he trusts me. And, and my goodness, I, I thank him so much for that. And he's allowing me to actually teach a class on this coming up in May and June at our church for people who are interested in it. And it's like, just one more opportunity to spread this content and help give other people the same aha moment and the same realization that I had. It's just incredible. And yeah. um, I'm, I'm thankful for it. And uh, I just, I thank Dr. Heiser for the content that he created and um, he will be missed, but the torch will be carried on. So here we are. Excellent, Steve. I, I think that covers it all. Cool. Um, all right. Story, story of the week. Of the week. Yeah, I'll go ahead first. Mine will be quick. Not really story, just kind of interesting things, I guess. So, um, Boston Bruins um, hockey team from Boston. Um, they uh, they just broke the record this past season for having the most wins in a season by a team and the most points. And I think that both those records go back to like the late 70s from the Canadians, I think it was, that held it. Wow. And they beat the win record by, I think, three games and the point record by 
I want to say maybe three points, which is about two games worth, depending on how you calculate the points. But um, so they had a uh, just a tier of a season. And um, so they, they're in the playoffs now. But um, I've just always been a sports fan of all the New England teams. And so it's kind of exciting to see. Now, hopefully, though, they just don't lose in the playoffs because what's the point of winning the season if you if you can't win the win the whole thing? But uh, just kind of some fun stuff there. And then my other one is I've, I'm actually just kind of a personal update. Um, I've kind of tried running the last year or so, and my first half marathon is coming up in May. And tonight, actually, as soon as we're done with the podcast, I'm going to go out there on my long run today. I'm going to run a half marathon, not to the speed as what it will be on race day, but I'm going to do it and just kind of track how I do and kind of plan on the pacing that I'm going to do for it. So I'm tonight, pretty excited about gonna, that. You're going to run a half marathon tonight. Isn't that 13 miles? I'm going to run at Yeah. 13.1. So we'll, uh, that's going to log it into the books. It's going to take me a while tonight, but, um, how long does that take? Um, with my, I am not quite to peak shape as I'd like to be. So on race day, I'm thinking that I'm going to shoot for somewhere around a nine minute mile. So it'll be around an hour, 58 minutes, which is decent for a first time person. I would say that's good for first time. Not awesome. Tonight, it'll probably take me two hours and 10 minutes. I'm going to take it a little bit slower, um, not kill myself over it. But um, So it's exciting just to kind of see a body progress with that and just kind of, you know, try to get into good shape and try to compete as best as I can. So. Hopefully it goes well and I don't man. get out there tonight. You're the man. Holy cow. That's crazy, Tom. Wow. All right, Steve. Turning it over to you. Yeah, well, mine is also just more of a kind of a personal update. Also in the health space. Um, I've talked about it before. You know, I'm I'm definitely like since 2015, I've been in sort of the keto carnivore world. Um, affectionately, we call that keto bore these days because nice. it's uh, – Basically, mostly a ketovore is mostly carnivore, so mostly animal products, meat, eggs, cheese, um, and then mostly meat, mostly meat, eggs and cheese, and then occasionally some veg, you know, just some greens, salad greens, you know, green beans, something like that, occasionally, but but mostly carnivore, um, and then intermittent fasting, and um, uh, for me, really, it's it's more like OMAD, which is one meal a day. So I'm back into that. And uh, every time I get back into it, I'm just like, why do I ever leave this? Right. Because it, it, it really does. And especially like I'm only a few days in, I'm four days in mm. just already like energy levels, mood, self-control, you know, not feeling hungry, nowhere near as much like, you know, that bloated feeling during the day. I'm just like feeling really good and ready all the time. Like uh, managing your insulin and all that stuff. Like there's so much. Not to mention the long-term benefits that it can have about yeah. you know avoiding cancer and just heart disease. Just, all kinds of stuff comes from just eating real food one time a day. Yeah. Weight loss. I mean, that's the that's almost a trivial benefit that comes with it. Like you will lose weight when you do when you eat this way if you have weight to lose. If you don't have weight to lose and you eat this way, as long as you're eating the proper amount of calories, you'll be good to go. Um, but like I would say it might not be an exaggeration to say that honestly. 98% of people should probably be eating this way to achieve optimal health. Like there's probably a few outliers, but most people should eat real food. That means nothing processed. And other than maybe some cheese, honestly, nothing with a barcode, um, no, nothing processed, no, no processed foods, no barcode foods, um, real food 
animal products, veg, one time a day. And that's yeah. it. And that's we've, the path to health. And we've talked about before, even if you, um, man, even if you say, if you don't care for meat or you just say, like, I just can't do the whole meat thing. Just, okay, cut out processed food, cut out potato chips, the sugared stuff, cookies, cut out all that processed junk food and soda. And then eat whatever you want, like eat, eat your veggies, eat your fruits. You know, you don't necessarily yep, have to exactly. eat and just see what happens. Don't overeat. Yep. Obviously, don't sit there and eat like 10 apples. But like just if you just for a month, just don't drink any soda. I would say even don't drink diet just because the bloating will go down too. stay away from yep. soda yep. and then stay away from the process stuff for one month and just see the difference. Here's what people don't even realize. Even diet soda, basically anything sweet on your tongue, there's a name for it, and I forget what it's called. But your body, your body's crazy. Your body will respond to an insulin, with, with an insulin spike, which causes you to gain weight and feel bloated, and it's bad. It's just bad, bad, bad. It causes yeah. you to store fat. Insulin response causes your body to store fat. That response happens even if your body detects something sweet in your mouth, at least in some people. So in other words, chewing gum, mm. sweet chewing gum that you don't swallow can raise your insulin and does. It's crazy. In a lot it, makes, of, it's it makes sense. Though. It totally makes sense that the mind would, would do that. Yeah, because it's getting ready, right? Yeah. It's prepared. It's, it's, you know, all the things are working together and it's like, oh, this guy's getting ready to down some food. Let's get the insulin going so that we can store the fat where it needs to to make sure that we have enough energy. And if your body is running on glucose, then it has to do that. Yeah. But the key with intermittent fasting and especially with a low carbohydrate diet, because your body, there are no essential carbs, you don't need any carbs, is your body runs on ketones, which are naturally produced by the body. Even your brain can run on that energy. It needs a little bit of glucose. Guess what? Your body produces the glucose that your brain needs when you're running on ketosis. It's a much more efficient form of fuel. And um, you're, gonna, you're not going to die. I mean, I don't know what to think. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Listen, uh, thousands of years ago, they did not have Twizzlers and M&Ms and pretzels and muffins to survive on all the time. There were no Intamins or, or whatever you have, Tasty Cakes. You know, that didn't exist. Um, and so you don't need that stuff to, and, and you know, appreciate the buyer because you know what? I love a good Hungry Howie's pizza just as much as the next guy. I love it. And so it, I, don't, I don't say anything here from a hypocritical standpoint or any of that. It's, I understand and I fall into these patterns. And in fact, I'm just coming off of, the, uh, of a bad pattern of health, you know, myself. But like, you know, when I dropped initially from 280 to like 220 back in 2015, 2016, I've been able to maintain that. Closely, the highest I've ever gotten again was 249. I haven't gone past that mark. 249, and that 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 number is enough to scare the dickens out of me. So I'm yeah. trying to, you know, so I'm probably like 238, something like that right now. Um, but I'm working my way back down. And uh, I'll tell you, I just always feel great whenever I eat this way. So one yeah. meal a day, eat real food. It's the way to go. You uh, mentioning that, you know, people way back when didn't have Twizzlers or Oreos that makes me sad that there's been so many people alive into this day that don't know what it's like to taste a little Debbie. Right. I know. But, but, the, even just the taste, it starts the, it starts the food addiction. It really does. You know, the, the little Debbie, for some people, not everybody's food addicted, not every, but yeah. a lot of people are. And that, it's, it's literally designed Anyway, talk government conspiracies and all that. Look, the health and 
the health and food industry is the biggest crock you've ever seen in your life. It's all business yeah. and marketing. Oh, it's 100%. all that. Yeah. It's breakfast, everything, everything. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. That's oh, not man. a that's not a nutrition message. That's a marketing message that was designed by the people at Kellogg's and Post to get you to eat your your Wheaties in the morning. Yeah, the cereal industry. I love cereal. Like that's one of my yeah. is cereal. Yeah. Oh gosh, and but... listen, this is not conspiracy theory. This is historically documented fact. I'm not making this up. It's it's not. It, it was never a health message. It's a marketing message, and all of this stuff is. Even most of the products that are labeled keto today in the grocery yeah. store, yeah. bro, it's the same thing. It's, it's the, the same, same thing. thing. You know what you should do? Eat a steak. Eat some chicken. Eat I don't some know eggs, how they can eat even put spinach. on their keto. I guess it, it's not like a lie, I guess. Or do they add like a certain ingredient or take one away to, so that they can claim? I don't. It's just it's weird. Many people, maybe even most, don't store carbohydrates from fiber hmm. most people don't store carbohydrates from fiber and a large amount of people do not store carbohydrates from sugar alcohols so hmm. they can create candies and um granola bars and just whatever that are loaded up with fiber and sugar alcohols to where yeah. the total carbs might be 30 but they can call it keto because they can use the net carb number of gotcha. of like five. So yeah. maybe maybe it's twenty five calorie or twenty five carbs worth of sugar alcohols and fiber. That's why they can call it keto, but it doesn't factor in what it's actually, you know, what they use to make it, any of the seed oils that are in, in those things. It doesn't factor in that some people really can't tolerate that stuff. Uh, uh, for example, lots of sugar alcohols give you digestive problems. Anyway, all kinds of problems, but that's how they can get away with the marketing. And it's like, you know what? It's hard to make money off of eat a steak and eat your spinach. Um, but those are things, those are things that will give you optimal health is if you eat one time a day and eat real food while you're doing it. So anyway, that's mm -hmm. my sales pitch. Excellent sales pitch. I'm hooked. Sign me you didn't up. even have to pay me anything. It was I free. Check that out. Totally free. <laughs> Excellent. All right, good deal, Steve. I think uh, tonight was a long one, but it was a good one. Um, I think it was uh, well worth going through that. And I'm sure that Steve and I will kind of come back to the subject a little bit more and go through our own little personal stories involving obviously the Bible and um, you know, the divine counsel and all that. But a little taste for everyone there. And uh, you, man, if you stuck around this long, um, thank you. And uh, yeah. I, I guess we're interesting to some people, Steve. 100%. Yep, all right. Alex, it's been a pleasure, my friend. This was a great topic, and uh, we'll catch everybody on the next one. Yep, we'll see you next time. All right.